Welcome back to Progress Over Perfection. I am your host, Russell Fuga, here with my lovely wife, Sela Fuga. Hey, Sela. Hey, welcome back, guys. Just want to thank everyone for, for supporting us to this point. This yes. is episode six. We're, we're getting about 70 listens per episode. I think it had as many as over 100, 106, I think it is, for one ep- episode. So we're really encouraged and just want to thank you. Yes. Continue to share, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. So, so what's next in your, in your wonderful life, Sela? going to discuss being the wife of an entrepreneur. We are, really? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. So um, when I met Russell... Is that your first or second husband or third? Oh, it's my third. Oh, okay. <laughs> In case <laughs> you can't we... keep it straight. Oh, okay. I don't know who we're talking about today. Okay. It is my third. So when I met Russell, he was an entrepreneur. He was, uh-huh. And I did not know all that entailed, you guys. Let me tell you. So um, I definitely had ideas of, of how things would be, and sometimes they didn't quite turn out that way. But I am going to share honestly and vulnerably um, about being the wife. And so if you have a loved one, a spouse, a close family member, a child even, um, who is thinking about this journey or is in this journey, I hope that something we share today blesses you. So why don't you start us off, Mr. Fugit? Um, tell us about you and your Entrepreneur journey. Well, I'm a um, fifth generation entrepreneur, and I start with my great great grandfather, great great grandfather, who escaped slavery in Tennessee and was adopted by a white uh, uh, doctor in the clone in the Union Army, rather, and ended up in upstate New York and learned the trade of blacksmith. Um, has a U.S. patent that my wife so beautifully framed, and I have on my wall a few years ago. And uh, he owned his own blacksmith shop, and so had five kids, sent them all to college, owned a farm, et cetera. So. Um, and then, you know, more notably, people in current, more current times will know of my late uncle, Reginald F. Lewis, um, uh, my father's older brother. Um, and his story, if you haven't read his autobiography, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, or um, visited the museum in downtown Baltimore, that's named in his honor. And so certainly um, felt, um, and I would say, in the spirit of God, inappropriately felt a responsibility to carry on that legacy. However, in telling my own story, as I'll tell briefly right now, I certainly feel called and continue to feel called to be an entrepreneur and really have had to work through a number of seasons um, in my life over the last 15 years or so, really, um, to understand what exactly is that God has for me. So I'll tell this quick story just to tell you how much being an entrepreneur is in my DNA. So I was in second grade and I'm in the back of the class and I had a friend who was really great. You know, he'd fold these papers and make these paper toy like fortune tellers. I don't know if people had, you had, you wrote one, two, three, four on one side and green, orange, red, yellow on the other four. And you do this, you know, any, meeny, miny, mo, and then boom. And it would say, oh, your mom stinks or whatever. And everybody would laugh. <laughs> like you open up, you open up the flap and it would say something funnier. Or well, you're going, you know, you're going. I didn't know how to make them You're though. going to marry the pretty girl. It would say something. Right. So he, I couldn't make them either. Right. So no. here we go. Market opportunity. He's giving them away. I'm like, my man. Why are you giving them away? Why don't we sell them? I'll sell it. You make them, I'll sell them 50 cents. You get a quarter. I get a quarter. Deal. 50-50. I cut my first business deal. I'm seven years old. I'm in second grade. I got extra Doritos at lunch. Extra <laughs> extra chocolate milk every day. So the parent-teacher night comes. My mom will attest to this story. If you ever meet Miss Ann, she'll tell you. She goes to the parent-teacher night, and the teacher says, you know, Miss Fugit, can you please have your son... Um, Tell your son to stop disrupting our class. He's, you know, him and his little buddy are in the back disrupting the class. So my mother, of course, says, "Okay, sh- sure, I'll, I'll tell him that." But what is, exactly is he doing? Say, "Well, him and his buddy are, you know, selling these little paper fortune tellers. Can you please tell him to cut it out?" So I always tell, and I begin, I've begun a number of speeches and talks with this story, and say I, I was uh, deregulated. You know, I was regulated. <laughs> 
government regulation <laughs> came in. You know? you know our kids are going to listen to this one day. <laughs> I and hope so. When they do bad stuff at school, yeah. re- remind you. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, they can listen to it tomorrow and probably come up with some <laughs> good excuses for their behavior. But, you know, so be it. If they're that slick, you know, I might give them a little bit of credit and then correct them. But um, at least trying to be creative. So anyway, I was regulated out of business. So it's really been, you know, in, you know, in my DNA. From there, I, would, I was the kid on the playground selling garbage pail kids, basketball cars, baseball cars, comic books. I always had extra cash. And I was, that was always just in my DNA was like, was, was selling. Right. And I've been blessed to have the, you know, a lot of gifts in terms of understanding opportunity and communication, but it's certainly been, you know, bringing it, fast forwarding it to being an adult. Um, it's been much more challenging, which we can unpack a little more, but just to give you a little bit of that background to my, my journey. So tell me a little bit about once you got a little bit older and, you know, I know you went to GW and Trinity and then after graduation and you worked at GW for a season mm-hmm. and then you decided to go out on your own and become an entrepreneur. And that's before I met you. Correct. So I went to yeah Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, undergrad, shout out Bantams. And then I worked at George Washington University for six and a half years and I got my master's of science uh, at the business school there in project management and actually started my first business in 2007 before I left um, GW actually. So I um, had a consulting firm and um, actually for one of the first things we were trying to do was to acquire um, a digital a website that had like 10 years of content um, and it was very niche content. And we were trying to figure out how to acquire it and then reposition it and relaunch it. Um, and then 2008 housing collapse hit, smacked everything in the face. I didn't quit my day job. I did not intend to remain at GW till 2010, but I ended up staying two more years at that point um, because trying to raise capital in that environment was next to impossible. So, um, so anyway, I, I want to go, I don't want to go deal by deal, opportunity no, by opportunity, but not. just to give you a little bit of an un- understanding of, you know, how long I've been, I've been at this kind of thing. Again, really trying to follow in my uncle's footsteps in terms of looking at um, acquisition as a method to creating wealth, right. And, and getting into business. Okay. So let's start discussing like once we met and, you know, you introduced being, you know, you're an entrepreneur and, and we started dating and talking about that. And um, let's dig into like, I guess, kind of what I thought the journey would be compared to how it really is. Is that cool? Sure. Okay. So, um, you know, when we first got together and he started talking to me about entrepreneurship, I had a little bit of an idea. My parents were both real estate agents. So in in a sense, they were entrepreneurs themselves. Um, but I think that my expectations were completely unrealistic. Um, I thought because of Russell's history, family history, and all of his connections, um, that things would come very fast and very easy. I thought doors would be opened um, that weren't really. Um, I really thought that um, Russell would work his business during the day and then in the evening he would disconnect. And on the weekends, you know, there would be, that would be hours. And that really wasn't the case. So I definitely came into it with a bit of a skewed um, perception as to what I thought being an entrepreneur was. Um, Another thing I had to learn is that disappointments and rejections um, are so much more personal when you're a business owner and especially for a person of color. And I've watched Russell be very upset when a deal didn't work or something didn't come through. um, And there was really no explanation for it sometimes other than that he's a black man. And that was really, really hard for me um, 
to see and and not be able to do anything about. And that that broke my heart. Um, and I also realized that like in my job and I work in corporate America, you know, if someone's rude or disrespectful to me, I can turn it over to my manager or my director and, you know, not have to really deal with it. And that's not the case for Russell. He kind of wears every hat in the organization. And I'm sure that's quite exhausting. So those are a few of the things that I've learned. And I just want to say, just, you know, being black, I think I want to just not move, run past that point. Yeah. The things that happen. I may have one case where I thought I had a lawsuit and didn't pursue it. I don't, you know, I didn't go in business to, to file lawsuits. But um, I will say that there are experiences in business and in life where things happen and there's no other rational reason as to why they happen other than like, well, I'm black. Like there's no other rational reason as to why you would get treated while, why um, you would be lied to, uh, misled blatantly on the record in email <laughs> to the point where you have lawyers telling you have potentially have a lawsuit. Um, so those things are, are very, are very hard when, um, it impacts your livelihood and livelihood of your family and your loved ones. And they're very real. And that's not yeah. something I ever took into consideration. Like when I thought about your entrepreneur journey, I never thought that race would play a part of it for you, but it has. And it's been heartbreaking for me to see because I was raised in a, you know, a bit of a white bubble. And so I didn't really know as much about race issues until, you know, more recent until I got older. So, you know, that's definitely been really hard for me. Yeah. And so I think, you know, part of the journey that, and I think I've on was on a bit on alone, and I think you really only, you know, through our own work in our marriage, have really joined me on more recently. Is mm -hmm. really feeling, you know, like I've, I'm 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 almost I'm almost there. I'm close to like a, a breakthrough, right? Yeah. Um, a breakthrough in terms of uh, of, of scale, um, of impact, um, and of of financial benefit of wealth, right? And so. Um, I know when we got together and got married, I think you, at least tangentially, if not knowing and understanding the details, um, believed in me. Um, and, and to be honest, that was one of the things that was attractive Aww. is that you 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 believed in me and you still do. Right. Still and, do. you know, I, I've said this to you before. I'll put it on 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 wax. Put it on wax. I'll put, it on, I'll put it on the record. <laughs> you know, I, I remember dating women who tried to talk me out of like my my dream. And that was the turn off like heart full stop. Like. People will say you're so smart, you're so educated, you're making life harder. So, I mean, people were literally saying like you're making life harder yourself. Why don't you just go just this X, Y, and Z, and call it pride? And I still, you know, probably work through some of this stuff. Call it arrogance, but I'm like, I know I could go do those things, and that's why I don't want to do them <laughs> because I know I can succeed. I know I could go live a comfortable life, but then I know I would feel like I haven't had an impact. I haven't accomplished anything. And you know, I talk about. My uncle's legacy, for those of you who get a second, like you can look up the Wikipedia page or his website and get a sense of it, like the, de the depth of responsibility that I, f I feel or have felt um, was very real to me, right? Mm -hmm. That I had as a as a black male to to take on the, the mantle, so to speak. And again, I felt like I've learned, I've had to learn to reposition my heart to realize it wasn't my place of what people call the wealthiest black man that ever lived in this country to take on that business mantle because I wanted to have that impact. Not that I'm interested in cars or houses or money yeah. that much, but I do, deeply wanted to have that kind of impact at scale um, and to continue, you know, he passed when he was only 50 years old. Um, and I don't want know. that for you. Yeah. Well, I don't either. So, really right. So that, that really I, un unjustly, I carried that burden and, and pursued my business life accordingly and, you know, took some, some grand slam swings and, 
struck out and hit a couple pop-ups, <laughs> you know, to use a base, baseball <laughs> an analogy, you know, shout out to my bro- our brother-in-law who's in the Japanese yes. World Series right now, by the way. So I was texting, shout with, out to Adam. texting with him this morning. So um, just to give you some of that, that background. So, but my wife was very much, you know, along for the ride without really understanding like, you know, where we were going or, or, you know, how, how or under what spirit I was, you know, driving the car, so to speak. So, so what's been the hardest part for you? And, and given all that context, yeah, that was this a is, lot. This is still this is still the Sila <laughs> Fugit show, but I think you know context is important. No, no, definitely. So how how is all that? You know, um, you know, what's been the hardest part? What's been the hardest part for you in in this journey with me? Yeah, I mean, I have a few that have been really hard. I think seeing you down and discouraged when things didn't go the way you hoped, um, it was really hard for me, guys. I am a recovering people pleaser. I will be very honest with you about that. And it has been so hard for me to see him upset and I can't fix it. There is nothing worse for a people pleaser than you're not being able to fix something. And that was so hard for my heart to see him upset and his heart broken and there was nothing I can do. Um, I think another thing that has been hard is seeing you get into projects or take meetings with people that I felt strongly in my heart was a complete waste of your time. Um, unfortunately, many a people have asked for meetings with Russell or get togethers, or could he work on something because they want to talk about his uncle. They want to talk about his dad's football career. They want to talk about his brother-in-law or connections or this or that. And it's been so frustrating that I had to watch him waste his time with people that weren't really interested in doing business. They just wanted to say they knew so-and-so or they had lunch or, you know, had a story that maybe wasn't out there, whatever it may be. That was frustrating. Um, I think the other part has been finances and this is hard for me to talk about. Um, but that part has been really, really hard. It is a feast or famine and most people aren't honest about that. You know, they think you come into it and it's, you know, you're going to make a lot of money and sometimes it's presented that way, depending on what type of business that you get into. But what people don't talk about is that sometimes it's very, very hard financially. Um, A lot of time and money go into owning a business. And that's something you have to understand. Um, You can make a lot of money, but if you're not being smart, smart about it, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. Um, One of the things was taxes. I was not aware of, you know, simple things like tangible things like taxes and how, you know, you need to be putting aside 40% of what you make for taxes. You know, I had to learn a few years ago that you pay much higher taxes when you're so, a business owner. So I just want to interrupt. I, I'm not ignorant of, of taxes, but what, 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 what happened was, is that every year around tax time, we'd have fights. Oh yeah. Fights y'all. That's, when I tell y'all let fights. Me, let me clarify because she didn't understand. Fight, fight, fight. It took us finally getting to the right accountant to explain her. Yes. I would try to explain, but she's angry at me and I'm not mm-hmm. the best person. I'm not explaining it clearly and basically enough for her to understand. So, um, you know, she's used to just turbo taxing it, stick yep. her W2 in. I'm like, you can't, you, I can't do that. And she didn't understand. And that was deeply. And he took my refund, y'all. I always got a <laughs> refund. And then all of a sudden I ain't getting no yeah, refund. Was, and I was, was like, it was, what? Her, it was her refund. I was refund. so mad. So you, know, you know, it was her refund. Well, it wasn't really mine. I take that part back. <laughs> but but so we've 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 worked past that we in the last what, thank two, God we two have years. a good account. We, yeah, two two years. We've had to we've had some time during the pandemic to like yeah. sit down in the basement and pull files out and then get a good, you know, get to the right person yes. and, and do that as a couple. And that was that was it was hard because I had my own business train and I had done my own thing. And I had my own people and then the two worlds would collide at tax time and it was 
It was not, not a good collision. Not, could, yeah, not no. a good collision. Not it was, good, it was but, horrible. Yeah. Let's move on from yeah, that. Anyway, so anyway, any, I, I, I want to get... clarify people like, Russell don't know how to file his taxes. Like, no, I'm good on that. No, no it just was not. just wasn't what I expected. As a marriage, expected. we didn't come together on that. We did not In the beginning. And so we would, you know, takeaways to make that a place where you come together, especially if someone in your relationship is a business owner. Another thing is 401k. A lot of people um, take for granted that when you're with a company that you have a match on 401k and that it's direct deposited and it's taken out of your account weekly and it's not something you really have to think about. And sometimes in a business where you're working for yourself, your mindset is, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Oh, I got to put money in. I'm going to get to it. And then you turn around and three to four years later, you haven't put anything into your retirement. And so that is something also that if you are thinking of entrepreneurship, make sure you're aware because you can't just think that this next deal is going to be that deal that gets you a millionaire and you don't have to worry about retirement because it might not ever happen. And then you're 50 and you have no retirement. So just want to throw that one out there. I think the next thing would be to be really honest with your partner and spouse about where you are in your business. Do not suffer alone. Um, I can tell you, I have sensed when things aren't right by Russell's body language or his mood, you know, and and he I would just know something's going on and that he was keeping something for me or that he was upset about something. One of the worst things you can do is hide that from your spouse. We committed for better or for worse. And I found it to be so much more helpful if we're honest up front and plan together. So there's months that you know, Russell's had to say, like, I'm not going to be able to give X, Y, Z, or I'm not going to bring that home this month. And then I can adjust. And that has worked so much easier than, you know, it's the final hour and I got to pay bills and we ain't got no money. So just the communication, ha you have to, have to, have to have the communication so that your spouse can adjust. So it's not uh, a huge fight. See, sometimes I didn't communicate because I was waiting for better news. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> you know, like, that's that's me. Yes. Like I'm like, all right, well, it sucks right now, but like I'm one email, a phone call away, it could be better news, right? And then I don't have to like be the bearer of bad news. But I, when the good news didn't come, sometimes I had to learn that that was not the best approach. And so to be more, uh, provide more real time um, intelligence um, and data to my wife, is not only so that she can be aware for our family planning purposes if yes. things were going to be lean, but also so that she could stand with me spiritually and understand Amen. if I wasn't happy or if I had to go down to the basement in the evening to do a little something extra to try to move something along or whatever the case might be, um, that she had an understanding of, of where I was. And I was, again, that was not always the case. Yeah. We had to learn the hard way. If you're not willing to be transparent and vulnerable around your business with your spouse, then this is probably not going to work. So if you think, oh, I'm going to hide or I'm going to get to it, or I'm going to get it done. And, you know, you're not being upfront. It, it's it makes it very, very difficult. Um, I wasn't prepared for the amount of stress I would carry for him and his business and finances. And I will admit that a few years into marriage when money wasn't flowing like I hoped it would, I would cope with very unhealthy outlets. Uh, my anxiety about the future was really bad. Um, I felt things were out of control. Like I just, I wasn't well because I was carrying all that stress and not dealing with it in a healthy matter. But I will say the closer that I have gone after God and the closer I've gotten to God and the more I've prayed for Russell and his business, the more peace I have had and the more grace I've had for him. Um, prayer is such a huge part of 
his business now. Um, I know that God is our provider and I have peace in that, but I pray for more for him and his business. Um, if he tells me that he's, you know, waiting on something to come back or he's waiting, you know, I sent out a contract or whatever it may be. I'm praying into that. I'm praying for God's will. I'm praying that it'll be a solid yes or a solid no, not an in-between, not a let me think about it so that he can move on to the next thing. So I have found that the praying for him and being diligent about that has really improved our relationship and my heart for his business. So just encourage you, welcome God into your conversations around business. Pray if you you know are going to talk about business and you think it's going to be a tough conversation, have a quick prayer before and invite God to be the third person in that room. We do it all the time and it really has helped. Mm-hmm. So well, can I ask you, can I ask you a question? Sure. What what has maybe been the best part about having a, a husband who's an entrepreneur? The best part? It's going to sound really selfish. No, I'm, for you. Having you around. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. I thought you get sick of me sometimes. Oh, I do all okay. the time, but I still love you being around. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I get sick of you, but I love it. Okay. No, it just, yeah. Like you are present for our kids. You are here. Yeah. You're not coming in at 630 at night, exhausted, needing to go shower and, you know, get the day off of you before coming down. Like you're picking up. You I mean, our daughter just faked sick at school today. And so Russell's <laughs> already been out and picked her up and she's upstairs in her bed. But Um, you know, I just love that you are such an active parent because you do have the flexibility. Um, and I love that we can have time together during the day. I wouldn't have that if you were out of the house and, you know, at a job in a, in a building somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I really, really love that we can have our time together. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a good, okay. Good to know. Good to know. Sometimes that's hard because I'm like, I get the honey-do list during the day and I I try to annoy him. I try to tell her, like, you know, can you send me a text? Give me a sticky note if I'm if I'm running hot on a given day on a number of calls. And like yesterday, I was on five Zooms in a row. And like today, I, I literally moved the meeting because I couldn't do another. I had a, needed a break today from being on, on camera. So anyway, just, um, no, finally, I guess striking that balance, particularly in this season of COVID. And I know people are working from home or people may be out and about, you know, with their business. If they have a, a business that requires them, that's, you know, maybe a more events focused or, or you're actually delivering a product or a service. Um, but yeah, finding that, that balance is key. So, so what are we doing now? What are we doing now that's working? Yeah. What's working now? Um, well, I feel like, okay. So we had a a come to Jesus like a year and a half ago, maybe. And Russell and I kind of talked and he decided that he was going to make me more of a partner in his business. Well, can I back up to give this some context? And so this, you know, again, not to me, this is the Cela Fugit show. You're listening to Progress with Perfection. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of airtime today. You are, but I'm gonna back up. And so you know, about 24 months ago, I took a job. Yes. After having not had a W two in nine years, almost to the day, I took a job at a consulting firm and worked there for six months. And then you know, in middle of March, like so many of us, we all got sent home mm-hmm. for a week or two, which ended up being forever. Yeah. And um, you know, three months later, June, I, I was let go. And so it's been such a journey. I've been laid off from employment on two different occasions. One time. Earlier in my career, a nonprofit that didn't get a grant and let six people go. Um, and then in this occasion, getting let go. So it's been such a um, juxtaposition to be pursuing large acquisitions and doing business and being in some very interesting rooms to to being, you know, working and thinking at least for a while I was going to be in a season where I was going to be employed to being back in my business. I didn't you know I, I still had a couple of clients in my company 
which was nice to have that extra extra income without a whole lot of time commitment. Um, and luckily, I kept the lights on in my company and still had you know, a couple key team members available. So was able to pivot um, you know, back in and actually the phone you know, started ringing and people started reaching out to me um, because of some of the things that were happening in the, in the world. But I knew when I came back, I wanted to do back to the question and back to this point. I knew I want I knew I wanted to. and I knew I had to do things differently and I wasn't sure how to approach it. And so we did have to have some some tough yeah. come to Jesus conversations about how how this season of entrepreneurship for me that, you know, I feel like, okay, I feel like God opened the door for me to take this job. And then nine months later, I'm back out. I'm like, all right, like, you know, this is frustrating, confusing, confusing, but somewhat like exhilarating and like fulfilling because this is where I want to be in a sense. Um, although I was content where I was and, and learned a lot where I was and made a lot of great lifetime relationships and friends certainly as well. Um, but still had to say, okay, I want this season of entrepreneurship to be different. Yeah. So before I do share about you inviting me in and, and I being your partner, can mm -hmm. you just share real quick what your business is and tell like a brief overview of what Jumila is? Sure. So, um, you know, I founded my company, Good Word Reputation Digital Media in 2013, focusing on reputation management and, and, and digital media. Um, so, you know, spent most of my time in that, you know, doing digital media, doing web development, software development. Um, at one point I had um, negotiated successfully a uh, software that was developed at the University of Maryland Computer Science Department had license to that. Had my own software as a service startup as well, um, but you know none of those things ever, ever, ever took off, right? So, um, you know, now I've you know coming back out of you know um, being employed, I was at a, a diversity and inclusion uh, consulting firm, and so um, having left there, I really pivoted fully into that space. And so when you know I got laid off, it was two weeks after George Floyd was murdered, and so you know people literally were calling me like. Russell, you know, can help. And so I've been blessed to be able to, to have opportunities and build, begin to build a client base and a reputation in the diversity and inclusion, uh, consulting space, risk analysis space. And, um, so I'm, I'm focusing on that now, um, joomlanetwork.com actually, you know, new website is getting ready to start being built very soon. I got some videos and some collateral going out really probably more beginning of next year, maybe even into this year to really start telling that story to the marketplace about how we can make impact. And, and this is very different for me because, you know, so much of what I had done previously had been about acquisition and about trying to acquire businesses. And really, this is more me leveraging my strengths as a communicator, um, as a distributor, as a problem solver, as a people person to build something around my gifts. Um, and so very different approach to business than I've had in the past. Um, and I'm, ex I'm excited about it, um, but still, you know, building a plan as a fly early in the journey, but grateful to have a community and a lot of wonderful partners to, to work with me. All right. So back to the question, what are we doing that is working now? Um, so as I said before, I am now a partner and it wasn't always this way. I felt sometimes um, that this was his journey and I didn't really know what was going on um, and I didn't speak up and I thought I would hurt his feelings um, because I maybe didn't agree with something he was doing. And so I stayed quiet. And that was probably the worst thing I could have done for him and for his business. And for us. And for us and right. our relationship. Yeah. Totally. Um, we are now very intentional um, to do, have meetings to discuss business. We type up an agenda. I know that's cheesy. Judge me if you no, want. No, it's not. I'm a project manager. <laughs> he no, has I'm his, ended. I have mine. Sometimes we'll have some family things on it too. Um, but we sit down and we talk. We talk about what's working and what's not working. We discuss next steps, how we can make things better. I tell him if I see things that 
I'm worried about, like taking meetings with people that are wasting his time. Um, we also do a check-in. I do a check-in with him when we are having these hard conversations. Because let's be honest, it is, it's not the easiest thing to sit with your spouse and try to talk business when it's been his business and now, you know, I'm in it. So, you know, I know at times we've had hard conversations and I'll feel like a shift in his body language or something that's telling me that he's not happy. And, and there's a time just at a Mexican restaurant we were at not long ago, we were having a difficult conversation that I kind of stopped and was like, are you okay? Do we need to finish? I mean, do we need to stop this conversation or do you want to finish it? And I feel like that is so important when you're having tough conversations, whether they're around business or personal, is if you feel like it's not going somewhere and it's not getting productive, stop because it's not going to be resolved in that moment and it actually could make things worse. So we've learned that if he feels okay and he's like, yeah, we can continue, you know, I'm not upset or whatever, but sometimes we just have to table it for another day. Um, Sometimes with Russell, he just needs to download um, what's in his head and I will listen without interrupting where other times he feels like that he's hit a brick wall. And so I help offer solutions, you know, around the current hurdle that he's in. Um, I've definitely taken more of a role with bookkeeping. I have access to finances, which is super important um, when being in business. You should not be the only person um, accessing and controlling finances. There should definitely be an accountability in that. Um, communicating. We are communicating so much more than we ever have around his business. We share a calendar. So I'm in the loop. I know for the most part what his meetings are during the day and kind of when not try not to interrupt him with my honey-do list. Um, and I think the last thing is that we leave a door open for returning to an employer. You know, a lot of times people start a business and within five years or so, they realize it's not working. But then in their mind, they're like, but I've wasted five years. I've got to keep going. I've got to do this. And then you turn around and it's been 10 years and nothing has changed. So I think keeping the door open for returning to a place of employment is definitely something you should leave on the table because it's be that's a better option than losing your family <laughs> or losing your wife um, because business is just not going the way that you thought. Yep, it lived would. that one, lived it, yep. <laughs> lived, that, lived, lived that one. And it was, you know, and I would say just to add to that, the both and, cause like you may remember, this is a true story. Remember this? I, I, I got the job and then like in September or like October, I got like, a nice like yes. four month like yes like, I remember like nice you know mm -hmm. five figure like yeah. pretty nice five figure contract for doing very little <laughs> and it was like oh did we make the right choice should you have gone back should you have not <laughs> so, so I had you know I had a night you know salary and I was my business all of a sudden with you know yes. with maybe a couple literally a couple hours a week for like four months made like a nice piece of change and I had another another client too. Um, who was, who was, you know, sm smaller, but paying, you know, consistently. So like ended up being like a, a, a both and, and it was great. And who, kn who knew the pandemic was coming, but again, I was able to pivot into my business with like the lights were still on. I had still had some people who were working with me mm -hmm. and, um, was able to, to somewhat hit the ground running, um, last summer, which was interesting. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Look at, look at us. Look at us. So I want to share some things I've learned along the way. Um, be your spouse's partner ask questions, keep him or her accountable. That is so important. Check in on your spouse's mental health. Entrepreneurship can be a very, very lonely road. Um, at times your spouse may feel alone on an island. 
um, and that can really take a toll on your mental health. That's definitely something that Russell and I have talked about. And, you know, he's said many times he felt like in the past that he was alone. Hopefully you don't feel like that as much now. No, I got two daughters in here. So I want to be left alone. But yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> the next would be don't, don't be in the dark. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And you guys hear this all the time. If you see something, say something. That applies here too. If you see your spouse going down or your loved one going down a road, um, say something. Don't sit idle and just keep your mouth shut. Um, know your partner's strength, strengths and don't be afraid to call them out and offer help or solutions. Russell is not great at administration, at admin work. He is not good, the best at bookkeeping. <laughs> and so like by him saying, my nickname's Bird. Bird, I need help. Um, and so he would just say, I need some help. And I jump in and I help. I've done bookkeeping in the past at offices I've worked at. And he didn't even know that. But And I didn't know to ask because he didn't tell me he needed it. So I had a bookkeeper, but she was cheaper. Oh, yeah. I'm probably very cheap. I don't really charge <laughs> you nothing. Um, so I definitely stayed too quiet for too long. And that wasn't fair to Russell. And so I really encourage you to not do that. Um, and the last thing I want to say is a cautionary tale, because I know entrepreneurship is not just, oh, I thought I thought I think I'm going to start my business. I have this great idea. It can also be an MLM, which is a multi-level marketing. Um, any of these, you sell stuff, you do in-home parties or that type of thing. Um, and I just want to share about that too, because I know sometimes people, you know, take that path as their entrepreneurship. And although that's not the kind of business Russell has, I've seen many people around me, including myself, I used to be in them, um, be in MLMs. And if the business model is to build a team or recruit people under you, be careful, very careful, okay? These type of business models are portrayed as very easy and profitable, and some are profitable, but definitely not easy. Um, so if that is how it's portrayed to you, run, 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 run. Um, it, it does take a ton of your time away from friends and family. Again, I have been in it. I know. Um, and when they start pushing you to build a team or get people under you, that's when a lot of work comes into it. So I know that some MLMs are designed that you you know only make profit from your downline and then some are designed where you make profit from selling things too. I just wanted to offer my two cents in that because I have lived it and I have people in my life that are in it. And it's definitely a bit of a slippery slope. All right. So we always like to end with some encouragement. So uh, entrepreneurial wife, what, what, <laughs> what, what, what do you got to encourage our listeners today? Thank you. So I'm going to leave you guys with actually nine quick Ooh. tangible ways to support your loved one if they're on an entrepreneur journey. So number one, ask to be a part of the conversation early and often. If there is resistance, then that is probably a red flag. Number two, be honest. Do not hold back your gut feelings. Number three, be committed for the long haul. When you jump, you jump together. Number four, prioritize communication indefinitely. Number five, accept that mistakes can and will happen. No one is perfect, but address them and learn from them. Number six, be transparent about finances. Number seven, make time for your relationship. Don't allow every conversation to be about business. Number eight, 
understand that you will have to sacrifice also. Realizing that this business will benefit the both of you may make the sacrificing a little bit easier. And number nine, celebrate your spouse. Starting a business is very much like birthing a child. And the process, no matter how long you try to rush this process, the baby needs time to develop and grow, just like your business needs time to develop and grow. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this encouraged you. See you next time. See you next time.